if you want to have a Talmud, you have to show him respect. Respect his time. Respect his space. Respect his feelings. Okay, everybody. Welcome to a special edition podcast for Yamim Naram. Uh, we have with us uh, the one and only Rabbi Shia Cohn. <laughs> um, to me, the one and only. I was in uh, Rabbi Kohn is the the Rosh Hashiva. <laughs> Rabbi Kohn is, is the Rosh Hashiva of Zichronarie. I was actually there for for a short period of time when I was uh, younger. Not long enough. Not long enough. I, I you're, well, you're welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I was actually in Zichronari for a little bit uh, by Rabbi Kohn. Um, his yeshiva is in Bayswater. Um, first of all, uh, Rabbi, how you doing? Baruch Hashem. It's a pleasure to be here. Beautiful. Uh, Shimon, how about much. yourself? Doing great. Um, I want to say thank you, Rabbi Kohn, for coming out. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Your time is valuable, so really, really appreciate it. Amazing. Okay, so I want to just jump right in um, into things. I know for myself, I think a lot of our audience is similar to myself uh, in the sense that I, I'm i not in yeshiva day-to-day, so I do want to get a, whenever I go into Yom Naram, I do like to get a, uh, a perspective, a good perspective on what Yom Naram is, um, as well as just get my head into it. So um, I, I guess we could start off, you know, my question is, I always kind of like forget this, <laughs> to be quite honest. Um, what would Rebbe say the difference is between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? Meaning, I know that with Yom Kippur, there's obviously, uh, that's obviously, you know, they have tshuva and very focused on, uh, you know, uh, the concept of tshuva and repentance. And Rosh Hashanah is obviously, my understanding is to be, to mam to be, to be mam Hashem, to crown Hashem. Um, however, during Rosh Hashanah davening, I do see a lot of other perspectives, such as Unisana uh, Tokef, it seems like, is also focused on Shuva and Hashem being Danas. So I was just trying to get an understanding of what you'd say the difference is. Okay. I don't know what you need me here for. You did a very good job explaining what it is. There are many motifs in the Rosh Hashanah davening, and of course, Yom Kippur is more one specific one. Uh, first of all, Rosh Hashanah is considered the anniversary of creation. So the first idea is to recognize there is a creator and as such a king, a ruler, created the world, he controls the world, he rules the world, and that in itself is a, is a motivation when we recognize that to get our act together, to do the best that we can, to do what we should do, to improve ourselves, even though the emphasis is not on shuva, on changing per se, but it's the preparation for the change. It's the motivation for the change because, you know, there's a boss up there and there's a purpose for creation and we want to be able to fulfill the purpose for which we're here in the world. So when we're, so to speak, mamlich Hashem, Hashem is the melech, Hashem is the creator, Hashem is the controller, so we get that message that, hey, I want to do I want to attempt to do more of what I'm supposed to do. So that's the first idea. Then secondly, the reality is, the Sefer HaChinuch explains, that in this world, we're given a mission. We're here, we're dealt certain raw materials, we're supposed to make the best possible human being that we can from it. All of the mitzvahs the Medrash says is, to refine human character. That's what it's all about, refining our character, making ourselves into better people. Now, uh, really, at the end of this world, we should be judged before we leave to the next world, which is the eternal world, where we'll be eternally rewarded. Besides any reward that we receive in this world, we'll be rewarded the neshama, 
which exists forever, which is a chilek elokamimal, is a, a piece, so to speak, of Hashem himself, lives on forever, and will be rewarded there with a certain relationship, a closest to Hashem, and all of the spiritual rewards that are there. Now, um, really, we should be judged at the end of our lives. That's the way it should have been. But it's a special chesed from Hashem that he judges us once a year on the anniversary of creation. Because if we would wait until the end of our lives to be judged... Oy, how much, how much we would have to undo. It would be overwhelming. So Hashem, in His infinite kindness, gave us an opportunity each year to redo the slate, to correct the mistakes, to start afresh, to come into the new year with a clean slate, and that way we can continually work on ourselves to improve ourselves. If we had to wait until the end, We'd be so overburdened with all of our confusion. First of all, we wouldn't remember the things we did. Secondly, they pile so high that who knows if we're able to work our way through. This way, each year, we can start anew. And that is coordinated with the anniversary of creation. It also helps to, um, to appreciate our job and our role and our desire to improve ourselves because we have in the background this idea that this is the anniversary of creation. Hashem is the Melech. And therefore, we want to get our act together. So they come together on Rosh Hashanah. Um, the shofar that we have on Rosh Hashanah is to awaken us. I mean, there are many reasons given, but one of them is just to awaken. You know, that, that, that sound, that shrill sound that you hear that says, hey, you know, we sleep. We, do, we sleep very well, whether we're awake or whether we're sleeping. We sleep through this world. And this way, we're awake and say, hey, what am I here for? What's my job? What's my responsibility? I'd like to improve. I'd like to get my act together. I'd like to do better. And that's really the motif of Rosh Hashanah without the specific focus on specific actions that I want to do tshuva for, that I want to change. Yom Kippur, after we've had this preparation, after we, the Rosh Hashanah put us in the mood, after we've spent a few days of contemplation, of thinking, what can I do? How can I improve? How can I be better? We come to the final stage, which is Yom Kippur, the day which is specifically set aside for a person to do tshuva. And tshuva, by the way, means return to Hashem. It says, v'shavto ad Hashem alikecho. It's about returning to Hashem. When we do things that are inappropriate, we distance ourselves from Hashem. And when we do tshuva, we return to that relationship with Hashem. And that's specifically one day. That's a day when we're not permitted physical, material pleasures to a great extent. So the focus is completely on our spiritual life, completely on improving ourselves. And that's basically the difference. Is there a sense, because you're talking Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, a lot of it is focused on, uh, I would say, mistakes and trying to um, avenge what we've done. Right or try to correct what we've done. Correct. Is there also a, a in Rosh Hashanah? Is there also a process of self acceptance as well? In not coming from a place of I did so much wrong, I need to improve it, or and more from a place of I am, um, I am the reflection. Selma I'm the reflection of, of Hashem, and because of that, I am I am worthy. I am good. I'm amazing, and like and to kind of when we're crowning Hashem, crowning the idea that we are His we are his son, we are a part of him, and that we want to fulfill something from ourselves because we feel good about ourselves. Well, I, I think that's, that's a very uh, significant point that you make. But I would say that that's not only part of the Rosh Hashanah feeling, that's all year long. The basis of a person's ability to do that which Hashem wants from us is to appreciate our own greatness. 
If a person doesn't appreciate his greatness, not only his greatness, but his ability to be godly, we can mold our midos, our traits of character, after Hashem. In fact, that's the mitzvah of Allah. To emulate Hashem. And when a person recognizes his greatness, he is more prone to work on himself to become greater and greater. When a person thinks of himself as a lowly, doesn't work, then I give up. <laughs> what am I worth? Forget it. Might as well give up. And the lofty goals of human greatness and human perfection that the Torah um, uh, enjoins us and, and, and encourages us and, and, and demands of us are only, can only be accomplished. Rabbeinu Yoyna says very clearly, only if we appreciate the greatness within us. So I think you're 100% right. And the other thing is, when we say Malchius, for example, the Gemara's Loshan is, that you should declare me as the Melech on you. That in itself is an act of greatness. We are declaring Hashem as the Melech. That's, who, who are you? Who are we? Who are we? <laughs> you're going to be Mamlech Hashem? Yes. Because Hashem created us with such greatness. In fact, it's very interesting to note that Chazal say that when the Malochim saw Odom Harishon, Bikshu Loimar Lefonov Kodush, they wanted to say the same Kodush, Kodush, Kodush Hashem Tzvokos Meloi Chol Oretz Kivoyde, which is the greatest praise that we say to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. They wanted to say it to Odom Harishon because they saw in him that wow. godliness. They saw that greatness. So you're 100 percent right. Human, the appreciation of our human greatness is the key to our emulating Hashem and elevating ourselves to connect more with the Creator and to emulate more and be able to mold our character in that very positive way. Yeah, so I, I remember what I was, uh, what I wanted to ask. Obviously, uh, Rebbe's saying a lot, so I'm trying to take it all in and give okay. it a... Okay, hope I'm not talking sure. too much. No, not no, at all. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. I'm just trying to formulate my thoughts because I have a question, a okay. few questions. But uh, Rebbe said that if we... Rosh Hashanah is an opportunity, and Yom Kippur is an opportunity to kind of have a fresh new slate because if we waited till the end of our lives, uh, it would just pile up too much, right? Does that mean that we're, we're forgiven on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur um, and we automatically start anew? Um, or we need to do something per se to start anew because in a world of where we're not necessarily forgiven, then it could technically just pile up the same way. If that makes no, sense. No, no, absolutely. Yom Kippur is called a day zman kapora lechol toildoisom. It's a day of kapora. It's a day of atonement. Atonement means forgive, uh, forgiveness, erasure. The the language of the Mesilas Hashanim is that when we are Akira Sarosan, he says when we regret. The mistakes that we made, it's as if it never happened. Oh, wow. The power of tshuva is such that a person who does tshuva, who really truly feels remorse that, really, I shouldn't have done this. I wish I didn't. I don't want to do it ever again. That in itself has the power to consider it as if it never happened. Erasure. I mean, this is a mind-boggling concept to be able to erase the mistakes of the past. Usually you made a mistake, or you have to live with it, and you get used to it, and you're embarrassed, and then it gets a little less embarrassing, but you never really forget it. Oh, it's gone. It's done. I'm a new person. That's the most amazing gift of, gift of tshuva, and, and, and that's, that's really what Yom Kippur does. And th- what we have to do for that, the, there's, a, there's a comment, a quote that I would like to quote for you from the Nefesh HaChaim, that was Reb Chaim Velozhin, the Talmud Muvuk of the Vilna Goyim. He said, Midina de Gemara. Me'ikar hadin. 
says this, Lifnibishu Asadim, but Meikar Adin, Shuva is a Gmira Stas Shalo Yoshuv Lekisla Oid. I make up my mind, I don't want to do this again. I'm not going to do this again. That doesn't mean it's never going to happen because the Ace of Horror works overtime. But I made up my mind, no, I am changing. I'm not going to do this again, which means I regret having done it in the past, and I'm not going to do it again. He says, that is tshuva. Umerira Salevi says, and all these extra feelings of how much remorse I have and so forth. He says, that's the nirushu sadin. But midina di gemara, alpidin, the mitzvah of tshuva is fulfilled when a person makes up his mind. What, Atkan. I don't what, want to do what it. What does Rabbi consider make up his mind? If he says that for a minute and then, you know, goes back to, like, do you have to believe that for one second? And okay, then it's okay so true? now you raise a very, very important point. So let, allow me to elaborate. Um, there's, there's, there, they, there are different opinions in halacha, but the simple opinion may be like this. If a person did tshuva for an Avera last year, then it says this year you don't have to do tshuva again for that because you did tshuva last year. If, however, you repeated it, so then you have to do tshuva for this year and for last year. So you might think that that means that when I repeated it, it means that the tshuva wasn't the tshuva because I repeated the Avera again. That would be disastrous for us because we all know how much we repeat again and again with all the good intentions. So the Mabit, and this was one of the daily, the early Achreinim in the Sefer Beis Elikim, he says as follows. He says, no. If a person did tshuva on Yom Kippur for an Avera, even if he repeats it again the following year, he does not have to do tshuva again. The reason that it's indicated that he should say the vidu again is just to let him know that he has a weakness in this area. Really, the tshuva sticks. If a person really regretted it on Yom Kippur and he didn't want to do it again, later on the Yitzhah gets a hold of him. That does not mean that he didn't do tshuva. But that does not mean he didn't eradicate the Avera of the past. It only means I have a weakness, you know, and he got me last year, and he's getting me again now. But if I really regretted it and intended not to do it again, that shuva sticks, and I don't have to do shuva the following year for that. So maybe I just misunderstood one thing. Uh, Rebbe initially said that you have to do, if you do it again, then you have to do shuva for the previous no, two so years. he says why that is. He explains that. That's not because the shuva didn't, t- that you undermined it. Right. He says it's just a special message. He's talking about vidu. You say chotosi. Your right. says it's a special message. You should know, hey, you know, I have a weakness in this area because I keep repeating it. But not that the tshuva of the prayers here didn't. When a person sincerely means, at this moment, I sincerely, I don't want to do this again. That's tshuva. Right. Wow. That's very encouraging as far as I'm concerned. Because we all know that I'm not going to do it again. Oh, come on. (laughs) Here we are. Another year, it's the same story over again. Okay, so I want to get to something that to me is is super, super important, at least that I've always felt. Um, And this really... One of the most important things that I wanted to have this sit down. Um, I, I think that uh, you know when I was growing up, and I think other people have a similar experience potentially. Um, there was a very big you know focus on El or Shaniyam Kippur being obviously a very very scary time and a time of uh, high anxiety fear. and fear. Yes, a lot of fear. Um, and I think for myself and a lot of other people that first of all scared us. Um, and potentially even pushed us away from our involvement and really, you know, looking forward to this opportunity for tshuva. Um, and I, my first question is really, is there any basis for that? Obviously, we hear the story of the gedolim, uh, you know, back, you know, the 
Roshon Machronim, you know, three, four hundred years ago, I was shaking in their boots, you know, fainting because the Rabbonu Shalom was being donned them. Um, you hear those stories all the time for sure. So first of all, is there any basis? And if there is, how would you say we should approach that today? Is that too intense for us today? Is there another way we should look at it? So I was wondering, Rebbe's thoughts on that. Okay. Uh, I must admit I anticipated this question. I think it's a very basic question. And I personally that feel... That doesn't feel good to hear. Right? <laughs> that? So that doesn't feel good to hear. Right? Why not? It's a basic question. No, no. Label no. X going above and beyond. He, no, he wants no, 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 no. He's the man who will articulate it. <laughs> Others will feel it and not say it out. So, no, that's... I didn't mean it in any no, way, no, in no. a disparaging way. I'm joking. But, you see, but it's, 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 I think it's a critical question. And so many people are affected, and I would say ill-affected by this question. So... Let me just um, try to elaborate. Um, yes, Rosh Hashanah is a day of judgment. And yes, that ju- judgment, as we say, is on Rosh Hashanah tentatively taken and Yom Kippur sealed. That's true. And therefore, it certainly is a time of concern. However, um, we have to recognize who we're dealing with and what what strengths we have and what shortcomings we have and what difficulties we have. Going as far back even as David HaMelech and the Ramban, Ramban in, in the beginning of Parshas Dvorim in this Akdoma, says on the post, Ki imcho hasliho tivori. Say, with you Hashem is forgiveness in order that you be feared. And the Ramban seems to be bothered by that. With you is forgiveness in order that you be feared? The seichel would dictate the more forgiving someone is, the less fearful it should be. The more unforgiving, you know, then the more fear. With you is forgiveness in order that you be feared. So it seems that Ramban is saying that a person who doesn't know how much Hashem is forgiving, how much Hashem loves us, how much Hashem wants the good for us, how much Hashem is molei rachamim v'chesed and forgiveness, such a person cannot fear. He becomes paralyzed. He becomes paralyzed. The fear is so paralyzing, they're just going to run out of here. It gets so hot, he runs out of the kitchen. So that has always been an age-old problem. In earlier generations, they had such a deep sense of Hashem's love, of Hashem's forgiveness, of Hashem's kindness, to an extent beyond what we can even imagine. To them, the fear was doable. The fear was doable, and the fear motivated them to reach even higher levels. In later generations, when we are, um, we're much weaker. Fragile. Uh, We don't have that deep-rooted sense of appreciation of the extent of Hashem's chesed. When we see suffering in this world, we don't see the chesed, we see the suffering. We're not at the level to, 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 to be matzik the din that everything Hashem does we see is all for the good. That's not us. Therefore, the fear for us can be paralyzing and devastating. So we have to be very careful not to overdo that. So for the greats of the previous generation that you mentioned, that was something they could live with. And it helped them to go from this level to this level. For us, we're down here, we don't even appreciate the kindness and the forgiveness of Hashem. So if we get too much into the fear aspect, we'll just get crippled altogether, we'll get paralyzed and we'll run. And that's what has happened to a lot of people when they would preach the fear rather than the positive relationship with Hashem, then that fear has become so paralyzing that people ran away. And that's what happened. Rather, we have to focus on the good. I'd like to share with you just one thought, which can maybe... um, 
make it much easier to, to do that. Uh, there's a capital in Tilim Lamed Gimel, Randut Sadikim. We say a Shabbos morning in the Pesukei de Zimra. And in the middle of the capital, it says a posuk, yachad libom kol The creator takes together all the hearts and he analyzes and he looks into them all at once. And the Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah says, this posuk refers to the judgment on Rosh Hashanah. And he judges the whole world in one swift look. Hashem looks at the whole world together and can judge everybody, each person, according to his own individual situation. Then the, the posuk continues there. The posuk continues. Your army is your strength. That's not going to help you. You're dealing with Hashem. And then it goes on. You got horses, you got uh, chariots, you have uh, tanks. Not going to help you. And the final posuk, not the final, but then it says, Ein Hashem El the eye of Hashem looks favorably on those that fear him. And then the Chofetz Chaim puts a comma here and says, not those that fear him who are awaiting his chesed, who are trusting his chesed, but it's a separate category. And he says that there's two categories. One is those that fear Hashem, they're God-fearing people, and they deserve the best. Then there's those that are not necessarily in that category. But they're relying on Hashem's chesed. They're fully focused on the extent of Hashem's chesed. They're fully focused on the extent of Hashem's rachamim. They know how much Hashem loves us. They feel that closeness in that relationship. And those people have an entree to the Yom Hadin, just like the people who are the Rei Hashem. There's the Rei Hashem, and there's the Meachalim Lechastoi. And the next posuk says, "Lahatzil mimoves nafshom lechayosom berov," that he saves them from moves, sustains them in hunger, which means that both categories, both groups, get the same treatment. So there is a formula for the Yom Hadin for those people who feel less than worthy, less than Yirei Hashem, who are not folk or not on that level or are not capable of focusing on that because it'll just drive them out of their minds. And that's a very common thing today. You know, my Rebbe, uh, the Rashiva, the Chavetz Chaim Yeshiva, used to say today, we're like tissue paper. You know, we were very, uh, we were very weak. I, I disagree with him a little bit, but of course we're 20, 30 years later. I think today we're like cobwebs. I think that's less than tissue paper. I'm not sure. But it's, we, we're so weak. We're so, anything can overwhelm us. So we have to look have trust Hashem. Hashem, why is he judging the world today, as I mentioned before? Because he wants to do chesed. He wants to make it easier for us. Why did he give us a mitzvah of tshuva? Because he wants to help us to eradicate the past as if it never existed. Why, why does he give us the secret? He teaches us the secret. Below the shofar, and the shofar will awaken you, and the shofar will remind me of Akedas Yitzchok, which was the greatest schus that Klal Yisrael had, that Avram Avino had, that he was willing to take his only son, who he was promised is going to be the future of Klal Yisrael, and to Shechtim, because Hashem said so. And he did it, believe Sholem. He was ready to do it, believe Sholem. These things, Hashem gives us all the tools and all the insights to be able to take full advantage of his kindness. And that, I believe, today has to be the mood and the, um, the focus for most of us on the Yemadin. And I believe that the previous generations, they went heavy on the Yira. The present generation, most of us, I don't, can't speak for everyone, but most of us can't handle so much Yira. We're not holding by the level of appreciation of Hashem's kindness to be able to focus on the Yira without it paralyzing us. Right. So we should focus on the, on the positive, on the chesed, on the rachamim, and have bitochen in Hashem, and that will be a schus in the Yom Adin. 
sounds like it's safe to say that right like i mean you're saying it pretty straight out that the, focusing on the era is and and, the, and you know imbibing the fear of hashem is is not the way to go now why well, uh, well, let's say for most people for most today, people. that's that's going to be a little rough. Right. So especially given the cobweb type mentality and how fragile we are, I guess my question is, why are – is this still so uh, – wondering if Rebbe has any insight as to why this is still so mainstream um, and, and focused on because it's still very I, – I guess, I guess you have underscored that I'm not mainstream. Because in my <laughs> teaching, in my speaking, in my yeshiva, and anyone anyone who listens to any of my speeches, wherever on Torah, anytime or any place, I don't use that approach. I feel that most people can't handle it. Most people can't handle that approach because until that's the pasuk until we know how much positive love and forgiveness and kindness Hashem has, we can't handle the fear. Fear is real. There's what to be afraid of. Right. But we have to look for other ways to achieve that connection because the fear one will just send us running in the opposite direction. I have one question. It sounds like from what Rebbe is saying that ideally the fear is, is more ideal to, to have well, that well, all. Well, no, no, I, get, I said not more ideal. It would be helpful to one who is already holding by the full appreciation of Hashem's kindness and chesed. That's what the post says. When there's slicha, then we can allow ourselves to be afraid. But if we don't know the extent of our escape, I don't know how much Hashem loves us. We don't feel how much Hashem loves us. We know, yeah, Hashem loves us. Okay, very nice. But uh, we, do we realize what that means? Do we realize, do we, if, if we want to say an example of Hashem's love? He allows, yeah, imagine that. He's, he's kavish, we say that's what gibor means, okay, hagodala gibor. He allows goyim to do the things they've done to us over the years because that's for our benefit. Let's not get into that. That's hard to understand. But imagine the pain that he has. If we knew how difficult that was for him to allow people to do things to us that he feels are necessary for us to teach us a lesson, but he's more in pain than we are. So if we had an appreciation of the extent of Hashem's love and His care and His kindness and His forgiveness, then fear would be something we can handle. But today, listen, there are probably people that can. But certainly, I think for most of us, we have to try to go in a more positive way. Right. So just, uh, I say, just to simplify it for our audience, um, because of the fickle space that we're in nowadays in our minds and how we are, um, Oftentimes, I think Rebbe used the word weakness, and when Rebbe is saying weakness, he's not really meaning weakness. What he's really meaning in that moment is that the word weakness is we don't appreciate, we don't know the extent of Hashem's love. We don't know the extent of Hashem's kindness, and so it's not what I, I don't want to disagree with Rebbe, but it's not a weakness as much as it is a meaning a weakness from a sense of we're less than. It's a it, because when someone is in life, when you when someone is said to be weak versus strong, right? There's oftentimes a comparability versus the other person. This is a l- lack of comparability in the fact that we're weak versus strong versus the you know other Doros, right? It's more that we just don't know the 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 extent of the love, and we don't know the extent of the kindness, and we don't know the extent of all these things, and we can't feel it. And because we can't feel it, we can't be judged on that level. Uh, I'll buy that, and I would add to that that it could very well be that our situation may even be stronger in a sense because with our lack of that knowledge and still to remain so firmly committed to Yadus, who knows if that isn't super greatness. 
you know, when you fully understand Hashem, and then, of course, you're devoted to Him, that's one level. But when you don't really fully understand it, still we do so much. We give up so much. We sacrifice so much. We're so steadfastly committed. Who knows if that's not even a greater strength. So... I'm with you. That's fascinating. Also, I, I think one thing you were basically saying that weakness connotates that there's a, a strength concept that's going being compared to, right? Right. Weakness, I think, in general, the word weakness, oftentimes in today's world, especially, and I don't yeah. think this is how Rabbi yeah. meant it, it. It has a negative connotation, which is that you're le- it's it's a less worthy. Right. You're yeah. more weak than me. You're I more think, weak. And- but but everyone's weak. So right. 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 Whatever. Yeah. It's, but knowledge is a very good way. We're not fully cognizant. We're not appreciative. We don't have that depth of connection and of, 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 of appreciation of the greatness of Hashem and all right. of his positive meekness and love, and therefore it's harder for Rabbi us. wasn't using the word weakness in that way. Yeah, he was using yeah, in the word... It didn't right. mean to reflect in any way. Uh, so one other uh, question, and this is a little bit not directly related to our Shana, but sort of similar. Um, can we get into the, the understanding of, a little bit just for myself even, uh, of, of Onish for a second, and just the concept of, you know, obviously we're, we're, we sit here and we're, you know, told, obviously, and we believe that Hashem loves us and Hashem is, kel, you know, kel and he's the most merciful person and, you know, everything he do, does is gamzul tova for our benefit. Um, and Hashem doesn't need anything for us from us, right? Yet at the same time, we have this concept of Onish, which is, you know, if Hashem doesn't need anything for us, why, why is he punishing us? You know, I think that's a very fundamental elementary question that a lot of people have. Um, I honestly forgot the exact answer to it, and I was wondering if we could just... Well, I don't think you forgot the exact answer because there are no exact answers. There are many different ways to look at that. And, uh, and you know, we could try to explore a little bit some of it. Um, first of all, I would say, generally speaking, the concept of Onesh is a deterrent. Hashem is not looking to punish us. Hashem is looking to deter us from making mistakes, and from doing things inappropriately. So that, that that's, has to be the philosophy of Onish. It isn't about, oh, I'm going to get you. I'm going to punish you. In fact, what Hashem says, I don't want to punish you. Do tshuva. Look at that. You sinned. You did something terrible. But you know something? Regret it. Improve it. And it's gone. I'm not looking to punish you at all. Punishment has to be sometimes. As I look at punishment like a stick in the closet. If there wasn't a stick in the closet... Sometimes with all the love and with all the positive incentive, and sometimes uh, the love of the, myself for the moment overpowers that love, and I need a little reminder, hey, if I, you know, there's a stick in there that, you know, just remember, you know, don't take it out, but just know that it's there. So Onish, really, the Gemara says that a Bezdin that puts a person to death with Mises Bezdin once in 70 years is called a murderous Bezdin, a Bezdin Katlonis. Once in 70 years, a Bezdin that is, that because you know what the Torah goes through? Chiv Misa. But there has to be Edim. Hasro, Dibor. If I didn't warn the person, Dibor means, Sholom Rabbi Meiri. That's called Toichkedei Dibor. If he didn't warn him in that period of time, right before he did the Avera, you can't, he's not Chayiv Misa. The, the Torah went so far to avoid it, just to use it as a deterrent rather than to, as a, a kapora, Hashem can give kapora. Shuv is the greater kapora. Yom Kippur is the greatest kapora. But, so that, that's, that's number one. Number two, there's an amazing comment from the Tosis Rid. was one of the great Rishonim. And he has a Haggadah. And the Haggadah, he says like this. It says, it says, We started off as descendants of Terach. Tosis Rid asks a question. He says, we thank Hashem for taking us out of Mitzrayim. If he didn't put us in, he wouldn't have to take us out. 
What's the big deal? Oh, shkoyach, you took us out of Mitzrayim. I put you in. I made you suffer there for 210 years, and now I took you out. She says like this. We started as descendants of Terach, as such, we couldn't be zeicher, we could never be privileged with all of the good that Hashem wants to give us, to give us mitzvahs, to give us Shabbos, to give us Torah, to give us everything. So sometimes he has to put us in a situation of suffering, challenge us, and then he has rachmonis on us, and he's able to give us berachamim, but he couldn't justify to give us bedin, meaning we couldn't have earned it. He wants to give us so much above and beyond anything that we could earn in the in the in the capacity or in the in the situation that we are or with the the genetics that we come from or whatever it may be. And therefore, I put you in a situation a and with what as a kapara type of thing. Uh, yeah, maybe a kapara or maybe just rachmonis. Listen, I made you go through so much. Now I can just I call it an entitlement. You know what an entitlement is? Entitlements are that we get entitlements. The government gives entitlements. If you didn't earn it. But you deserve it by dint of something, some criteria. What the criteria the government uses, that's something else. But, but, but our criteria is suffering. You suffered. You went through so much. Now I can give you, I can justify now to give you with this entitlement more than you earned. So we have to look sometimes at suffering that way. That sometimes, you know, and, and the truth of the matter is, when you look at it, you know, when, when people sink and they make mistakes and they they fall to a certain level of impropriety sometimes the only way to really get out of that is through difficulty and Hashem wants to give us in that situation beyond what we ever could have gotten sometimes the only way is I can't do it with din with your earnings I can do it with rachmanus that's the way we have to look at that also I think and when we look at things that way then we realize that it's all part of Hashem's Desire to do good for us. Now, for us to um, to imagine, the Pesach says, Hashem reprimands the one he loves. So that's not so easy sometimes to, to tolerate. Uh, an old um, uh, Hungarian rov once told me that his father was an, a rov in Hungary, and somebody came to him at so much suffering, 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 and he wanted to calm the person down. He says, Hashem reprimands the one he loves. He says, I understand, Rabbi, but why can't he love my neighbor a little bit more? You know, so, so we, 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 we're not so happy sometimes with that. But we have to realize that. There's a lot about what Hashem does that we can't fully comprehend. But we have to look at it. He wants only for our good. And everything, and, and, and also, as I'll say about Yisurim, they have to teach us a lesson. Because when things don't, when things going well, we don't stop to think. Someone just called me tonight. They had, they had a call. The fire department for something in the middle of the night. They had a call. A plumber in the middle of the night. And next week, they had a, a, a car exploded. I mean, Mom is like, I said, what did we do wrong? You know, what, what? And sometimes when things happen, you stop to think, hey, maybe I have to improve myself. Like this, when life is going well, we don't think too much about anything. Just keep going. So sometimes that the suffering serves to bring that out in us also. But it's all Hashem's positive love caring, wanting to benefit us, wanting to give us. It's a hard pill to swallow sometimes, but that's the reality, it's the reality. Well, um, fascinating. I wish I uh, heard all this uh, a while ago. Never too late. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, as far as the Rebbe was saying, as far as getting comfortable, I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like always 
whenever there's the famous saying, whenever cholesterol gets too comfortable or like the same concept, it's like not good things start happening. And I kind of, I, I was just telling a friend, not that I'm, I, not that this is necessarily true, but I always feel like at the end of the day, right now, we're very, very comfortable here in America. Like uh, we're doing pretty, pretty well. Um, so there, that definitely is an interesting concept. Um, one other thing, Rebbe, um, I know that. I don't know if a lot of people know this, and I think a lot of people are not fully aware of the following: that Rebbe was the really the first person to address the off the dark crisis in the firm community period, starting like what thirty five years ago, roughly. Maybe a little bit. Uh, it depends. There were different kufas, but uh, I mean priority 20, one. Tw- uh, certainly twenty five years ago, and then a little bit before that, maybe thirty years ago. Yeah, right. So it seems like the off the dark crisis, if you want to call it. Um, became like a you know the, the spectator sport or the talk of the town probably over the last ten. Um, so everyone was obviously very much ahead of the game in that res- in that regard. Uh, wondering if uh, Rebbe feels that we made a improvement in that space as well as uh, what could be done. I think the landscape has changed significantly in regards to the challenges that kids are facing nowadays. So wonder if we've made improvement as well as you know what. What if, if the way to deal with it is any different than Rebbe initially thought it was, given what's going on? Well, we went through a number of um, of stages with that particular uh, issue. Um, one, of course, was intervention. We saw, and it just fell upon us, that there's so many individuals with challenges that were very, very serious and uh, very dangerous, and we tried to intervene and to help them. In Baruch Hashem, uh, we, 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 we saw amazing, amazing miracles, literally miracles. How many people today from those, that element then, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, are today just, just amazing human beings, and, it's, 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 and religious as well, and, and, and unbelievable. It's, it's very encouraging. But that was through intervention. And we realize that we have to do more prevention because intervention can intervene with a certain limited amount of people. Prevention is a much broader scope. And we went through certain um, dealing with parents, dealing with Rebbeim. Um, the last, last number of years, we've developed a program called Teach to Reach. And the idea is that there's a lot of teaching, there's a lot of preaching, Maybe too much preaching, but there's not enough reaching. We may be teaching a class. We may be preaching to the class. Are we reaching their hearts? Are we reaching their minds? Are we reaching their nishomas? And we, the, the tagline is, are we reaching them with a passionate and a lasting commitment to Yiddishkeit? And that's where I think the challenge of the present and the future lies. If we can better train parents and teachers to understand what these kids are going through today, the challenges that they face, how we have to um, not take certain things in Yiddishkeit for granted, but explain them, but, 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 but communicate with them, but interact with them, but answer their questions, but, but, but present things in a more positive way, connect them to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, present them the positive 
a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Just the idea Bechal of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, is sometimes lacking. You know, we, we became so ritualistically religious and so frum that we forget about why are we doing this in the first place. And, and, and kids are very sensitive. If you can connect someone with Hashem, if you could help someone at a younger age, a teenage, preteen even, forge a relationship with Hashem, they're not going any place, you know. Right. It's a different story. So that's what we do a lot today. Um, we do a lot of training programs for, for principals and for teachers. We have an amazing website. It's called WeTeachToReach.com, where there's tons of material to help mechanchim, and eventually we're going to do the same for parents to guide them and how to better understand the kids. I think really the goal can be. Um, expressed in a, um, in a in a story which I've told many times may or may never have taken place. I don't know, but it's irrelevant. It's a, it brings home a point. They tell the story of a Yerushalmi Jew in the full Yerushalmi garb walking along a street in Haifa, and opposite him was a secular Jew, a Chiloni, coming, walking the other way. And as they were crossing each other's path, they noticed, they both noticed a storefront display which is extremely inappropriate. And the Yerushalmi, in the quickest action possible, covers his eyes. Doesn't want to see. And the Chiloni, uh, the secular Jew, walks up to him and says, Tell me, what is it in your life that's so meaningful to you, that's so precious to you, that you don't want to compromise it for even a moment of pleasure, which to us is so, all of us is so enjoyable? That's the secret. If we make the Yiddishkeit so meaningful, so pleasurable, so, so, so part of my life, my connection to Hashem is the most precious thing that said. Closest to Hashem is the ultimate good. If we can instill that in our children, then they're not going anyplace. They're not drifting. They're not rebelling. They won't even be so caught up in all of the challenges of the world around them. The challenges will affect them, but they'll do everything they can to avoid those challenges. Do you know how many iPads I have and, and, and computers I have locked up in my safe for voluntarily. People say, oh, yeah, when I need it, I'll tell you, you'll take it out, you'll give it, but I don't want to have it around. I don't want to take a chance. These are, I'm talking adults. I'm talking, right. it's medrash guys, you know. And, and this, is, this is what happens. If there's a passion and there's a commitment and we appreciate, we know why we do what we do. We have this meaningful relationship with Hashem. And, and, and we realize that this gives our life a sense of, 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 of meaning and purpose and happiness. And I think, and the prevention, that can prevent, so never prevent everything. Everybody has free choice, but it can prevent, and it is preventing so many people from drifting. Um, there's a lot to unpack, but I, w- I want to attempt to bring it back to Rosh Hashanah for a second, because I just had this thought, is that, it's so what you're saying is so in line with what you said at the beginning of the podcast, which was, which was that Rosh Hashanah in general is that when I said that you have to come from from a place first that you are Talmud that you're right, and you said that you're godly, that you have that worthiness. The only way, as you said about Rosh Hashanah, when I rebuttaled with that, you said the only way that we could, you know, attempt to change and attempt to you know be um, to be. I, closer to Hashem. Closer to Hashem, and, and to attempt to, you know, I know like uh, to correct our mistakes is if we really believe inherently. That the first thing is how worthy we are to correct them, and it's the same thing, which is in the off the derech crisis or things of that nature. Prevention, prevention, really is. If I were to attempt 
to kind of connect it back to that is that how worthy you are as a person to have this relationship with Judaism and have this relationship with Hashem and how worthy you are to then when we want to change or when we see our mistakes, when we see these things about ourselves, we don't get down about it. We don't say, oh, Yiddishkeit wants to punish us because we're not good enough because we made this mistake with this or we made this mistake with that because inherently we know how good we are. And so when we see those mistakes, we're not running because we're afraid that something's going to punish us or something's going to happen to us. Really, when we see those mistakes, we go, oh my gosh, I'm so good. Let me try to change this. Amazing, amazing. And it's the uh, same thing as you, the prevention with well, Rosh Hashanah. One of the like ways paralyzed. I unnerve teachers and parents too is I quote the Rambam. The Rambam says, Keshem Talmid Just as the Talmud is obligated to respect the Rebbe, so the Rav is obligated, maybe not Mechuyev, but obligated, needs to respect the Talmud. And I say the Pshat is because if you don't show them respect, you're not going to have a Talmud. If you want someone to accept your teachings, make him recognize his own greatness. Show him that respect. When you show love and respect, it's a different world. <gasps> You are the source of my happiness. You make me feel, you know, happiness is defined as osher. This, the shorah says yeshur, validation. Happiness is feeling good about myself. When you show me respect, you make me feel good about myself. That's it. I'm your Talmud. I'm ready to, I'm the Kabbal everything. And that's the key. And, and many people, the Rebbe, the parent to respect the student, the child. Yes, that's the key. If you want to have a Talmud, you have to show him respect. Respect his time. Respect his space. Respect his feelings. It's, yeah, it's funny. Um, two pods ago, I, I was saying, I don't know if it sounds like Rebbe is saying this, but I was saying that I happen to believe that a lot of the issues, when we see in the off-the-dark crisis, a lot of the issues are that it, it really, someone was saying the yeshiva system has to change this, that I was more of the notion that, you know, it's really the the parents that a lot of these issues stem from the home more than the yeshiva a lot of times I think and um, is this is what Rebbe saying the same you mentioned Rebbe to Talmud and then threw in parent and to child is it's that the same it's, I, when people always ask me what's the cause what's the cause I say, there's three partners there's three partners in the crisis it's the yeshivas it's the parents and it's the individual everybody has free choice so Right, you know, it's my choice. But on the other hand, the factors, the the environment that surrounds me is also very influential. Whether I'm going to have positive attitudes, because I've been shown that respect and that love and that appreciation and that dialogue and the willingness to answer my question and that make making sense out of everything to me, so I know what I'm doing and I appreciate what I'm doing and I connect with Hakadosh Baruch Hu and I feel His Hashgacha Protis in my life, or whether it's just you know cold and bland. Right. Got it. Okay. All right. Beautiful. Rebbe, thank you so much Rebbe, for thank you on. so much. You guys beautiful. are amazing. I'm telling you, your questions and your comments, you're like, you don't appreciate need me. <laughs> we very <laughs> much do. We very much do. We very much appreciate it. And um, going into Rosh Hashanah, uh, personally for me, I feel much better. Okay. About well, going into the Yom Menorah. My pleasure. Maybe. To you and to everyone. And we should be zeichet to a year which has brocha v'hatzlocha and mazel and Yeshua's for Klal Yisrael. We, we have a lot of Tzoras out, out there. And yeah. 
We, we need resolution. Amen, amen. Thank okay. you. Okay.